back to another edition of the Deeper Dive podcast produced locally in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. here at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in La Plata, Maryland. My name is Bill Winnell, once again joined by Father Larry Swink. Hey, Bill. Father Jack Berard. Hey, Bill. And Father Martin Flume joins us again. Thanks for the invitation. Always welcome. Today we're going to take a deeper dive into uh, IVF and um, take a somewhat deep dive into... Uh, the, the question about uh, vaccines, whether whether it's ethically okay to, uh, to uh, uh, have a vaccine uh, that is um, you know, derived from uh, fetal cells. Father Larry. Okay, great. So this is, uh, is going to be a wrestling match a little bit, and it's going to take a, little, a lot of thinking, uh, theological thinking. And uh, these two issues are very much uh, connected. And I think, you know, if you were to sort of name this conversation is really can you do something evil for a good result is essentially the question and if so how and uh you know because uh, let's take we're going to talk a little bit about something that might uh, strike people as controversial is the issue of in vitro fertilization which um, unfortunately a lot of catholics have sort of bought into this a little bit uh because of this increase of infertility and uh and i don't i think a lot of it was for many people that I've experienced this out of ignorance, they didn't know it was wrong because you rarely hear it from the pulpit. Maybe some did know and they did it anyway. In this, on, the, on the surface, it seems like it's pro-life. Right. It seems it's one of the tougher uh, teachings because it's this desire for a man and woman to have a child, which is beautiful. But then the question is, is the, is the means moral? And if it's not moral for a good result, can you do it? And I want to I go into that a little bit you know, with the two priests here and myself. And then piggybacking that is this whole issue of, you know, we're right now in the midst of uh, hopefully people are, uh, where scientists are trying to find a vaccine for the coronavirus. And we're starting to get news that they are uh, making this vaccine in some cases from, um, from uh, using, you know, sort of the stem cells from aborted, aborted, aborted fetuses, which really sort of raises a lot of eyebrows. Like, wait, can we take this? So let's start with in vitro fertilization. And Father Flume, um, can you first uh, just kind of give us um, maybe in two or three sentences, if someone were to come to your office and say, Father, I, you know, we, we are unable to a child. We prayed about this. Uh, we're we're going to go to Shady Crow uh, Fertility Center and do IVF. How would you explain to them that this is wrong? Because the church does teach that it's wrong. It's 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 actually an evil act uh, in itself, but why? Right. Um, I would start with the, the fact that children are a gift from God, uh, that we don't manufacture children, um, and that parents don't have a right to have children, uh, or a, a husband and wife don't have the right to have children, even though um, you know, we certainly hope that, uh, that God gifts them uh, with that. And uh, the, the prevailing thought is, uh, you know, if, if IVF works, then then I have a right to have children, and I have a right to choose what kind of children and how many children and all that. And uh, it really leaves out the whole idea that uh, children are a gift from God and that uh, they arrive in the midst of marital love, uh, not in a clinic, you know, in a, in a Petri dish. Right. Well, let's stop there. That's a great point because a lot of times I think people, if, if they know the – process you know that in, in vitro means from glass it's in glass in the glass 
So essentially that they would, um, a doctor or scientist would take, you know, the sperm and the egg of the woman and basically fertilize them in a Petri dish, correct? Right. Okay. And then they would implant the, the fertilized egg into the mother when it's, when the embryo is formed, correct? Uh, Or, or or I'm (laughs) Yes, but also they uh, freeze freeze uh, for later implantation. Right. Right. All right. But before we jump to that point, I th- and I remember, I think me and you were at a conference with Doc, with Father Tad years ago. Mm. Remember that? Yeah. He, the redheaded, he was, a, he was a, a priest from Harvard, and um, he was brilliant. And he gave us a priest a conference, and we were all like, he asked us the question, well, why is in vitro fertilization? And we all raised our hand, because they're going to freeze embryos. And he's like, you're, mis- you know, let's, you're jumping the gun. The f- he, and the first principle he said, and this is coming from a doctor, is, is you have to tell parents they don't have a right to a child that it, and, and the, the key word, it's a gift from God. And I think we've lost because of our culture has divided sex from procreation through contraception. We've also divided procreation from sex <laughs> that it's supposed to be this. That's essentially what procreation is you create with God, right? And that God allows this life to come in through the love of a man and a woman. And we, we've lost that in the in mainstream society so the first point is essentially that life is a gift and only God through the, and it's, and the children have, I think from what I understand is from Donum Vitae and from what father Tad was telling us in that conference and also from moral theology is that a child has a right to be brought into existence through the marital act. Right. They have a, that's what they have a right to, right? You want to say something that, Father Jack, yeah, I mean, I think, I think as an, and there's also kind of an analogy, um, you know, kind of going back to what, what Bill kind of in his intro kind of said, that, like there seems to be that this is like this pro-life thing, right? And even for a lot of Catholics who would agree on all the other things the Church has to teach, they'll say, well, in vitro fertilization is good because a child comes out of it, but they're forgetting the fact that the process matters, right? right. And that um, just like the the problem with you know, using a condom is that there is an, an addition to the sexual act in in vitro fertilization. There is an addition to the sexual act to the procreative act uh, more than anything that like you have now completely disrupted the norm, the natural course for uh, of, of sexuality, you know, and, and it's kind of this, um, you know, consumerist mentality, even towards, uh, I think Father Flume said, manufacture. I think it's a perfect word for it. You know, right. it's 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 right. based in man, not in. Right. Uh, well, I I remember in college, the movie Austin Powers came out, and there is this scene where the guy, I wouldn't suggest people watching this movie, but <laughs> but it, in in it, the the kid was a product of vitro fertilization, and he, and he tells his dad, Doctor Evil, he says, I I wish you never made me in a petri dish, in kind of anger. And everyone laughed because this is when IVF was very rare and it was kind of considered like people actually do this. And it was just like, you know, but it was, it, it, it struck as just odd that people would do this and that someone could be manufactured by the will of the parents scientifically. And, but the interesting thing is like existentially, this kid is, is also kind of expressing this, um, this idea that I had a right to be, that I should have been made through the love of a man and woman naturally. Mm-hmm. Like that's, we were made that way, you know? Now I think that the point to be made here is this, uh, if you're listening to this and if anyone's been involved with IVF is, you know, if, if this, if you did not get this teaching is that 
it says nothing about the dignity of the child, though, because regardless of how a child is produced, so if a child was conceived, uh, conce- yeah, I'm sorry, would conceive, thank you, Father. Well, could you use that word in IVF? Would you say conception? Mm-hmm. You could. Yeah, they're conceived in a petri dish. Okay, so yeah, so you could say conceived in a petri Regardless of how they're conceived, um, it does not take away from the dignity of the child. So the, the ba- there's nothing wrong with the child. Mm-hmm. And so it, another, another sort of example would be if, um, if uh, you know, a child was uh, conceived through premarital sex or through rape or something like this, it, the way was, would have been a, a sinful way, but the child still has ju- just as much dignity as, as you and everyone, as, as us. We, there's nothing wrong with the child, and we're not negating that fact. Right. That's why we don't speak of illegitimate children anymore in canon laws because the, the children have nothing to do with it. They're, exactly. They're, they have all the rights and dignity of any human person. Right. And that's interesting. You bring up that point. So canon law does not use that terminology anymore. Right. Illegitimate child. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's, that's good. You know? Um, all right. So, so, so that, so that's, but, but then we have this other problem, which I think we, there's a part. So we have a sort of the, a violation of the sixth commandment would be, we would look at, would you say, making it out of the, out of, would that be a violation of the sixth commandment by produ- conceiving a child in a petri dish or, is, or, we, or are we on the wrong commandment? Well, I mean, I think, I think you easily could say it's that, it's a, but it, I mean, it involves, it, it involves uh, a lot because it involves the fifth commandment, right? Oftentimes, you know, in the sense that uh, you know, there's a certain destruction of life that, that takes place usually within the in vitro act, but it, there's also, I mean, honestly, there's a, an attack against the first commandment. Right, that there right. is a, a an, an attempt to become God within this act, and right. and so it's 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 really complicated to just say oh it's this, but right. um, I mean if you're going to try and be really clean about it, right, there's it's it's a it's a defect of the sexual act, and so it's a sixth commandment. Okay, yeah. so then but there's and then the other taking a step further, another moral problem with the IVF uh, with this this process is that. The usually in the process is that they'll make you know one you know usually about eight embryos per. I mean, I may probably have, have less than this, but I remember when it started, it was about eight embryos were conceived in the petri dish, and they would selectively try you know try to get the best one quote unquote to implant in the mother. And then the other uh, problem with this is that you have this real life. This is true. These are eight lives that have been conceived artificially. Okay, eight lives. Okay. And then, in the process of of moving of, tra- of transporting them to the womb or, uh, of the mother, there's only a thirty percent success rate, which means there's a seventy percent chance that that embryo will die in the process. You know, and and that's I mean that's scientifically true, mm-hmm. right? And so it's almost like a death sentence or a seventy percent chance that you made a life that will not make it to the womb. Mm-hmm. And then the other embryos were either discarded, which are killed. That's a human life that's killed, literally killed, or more than likely frozen in a, in a, in a laboratory, correct? Yeah. So that's another, and I, I, when I've counseled people in this, and they, um, in the past, it just blows their mind. They're like, they never really realized that. I don't know if it's spelled out in the, in the documents when they sign the papers or anything like this. But the truth of the matter is this is usually not one life producer, many more. And then, and then, and many times it's, it's not the, first of all, it's not a very successful endeavor. 
that they make it sound. It, it's a lot of men and women usually go through it three or four times before they actually can, where they're able to, the, the baby comes to term. So there's a lot of, you know, killing of innocent life being involved here. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, um, and I think that's, that's the, probably the more, uh, one of the, the more, uh, it's a very serious thing to look at. Um, uh, Father Jack. Well, actually, I want to disagree with you on that last thing, right? Okay. That it's, it, I don't even think that is the most serious part, even though obviously it, it's tragic and, and beyond, I don't know, beyond words to say that like so many lives are lost because of the process. But even if it was perfect, even if the science was so good right. that you could take one sperm and one egg, conce- or produce it, conceive it in a uh, Petri dish, and then reinsert it into the woman, this would still be an evil act. This would still be lacking good um, that, that God had, you know, has predestined for us, as he's, he's or- ordered for us. Um, and that's something to kind of reflect on, that like if we truly believe that all that God has created is good, including the procreative initiative act of, of, of marital relations, then like we have to take that seriously even here, you know, because like this is just a side problem <laughs> in IVF right. is that we are also killing <laughs> hundreds and thousands of, of children a year. But it's still problematic, even, right. in its pr- even if it was scientifically much better. Right. Would I like to see it much better? Sure. But right. it doesn't mean that we, we would be okay with it. Right. Right. And, and a couple of those defects that he's speaking of, uh, if you want to speak commandments, uh, honor their father and their mother, um, this does great dishonor to the man and the woman right. uh, who become mother and father. Right. Um, the woman's violated. I mean, you know, do you really want your wife you know, to be planted with? This process is is a contrary to with someone else's human seed dignity. Yeah. yeah, it could be someone else's seed, could be someone else's egg, you know. And and so there's a lot of evils that um, are tangential, but grow off of this IVF. Right. The other thing is, you pointed out the sixth commandment. Uh, in order to produce the sperm, uh, there's masturbation. Right. And uh, you know, and we tell everybody, you know, you got to go to confession about this before you receive communion. It's a grave sin. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, in a certain sense, we don't even have to talk about <laughs> like even when IVF, you know, unless before gonna, you even get to the, right. the the petri dish, there's already unless they're going to go in there and surgically remove your sperm, you know, right. in in a way that you know, and and I, I suppose they have methods, but why use that? You know, the, right. the world doesn't care if you, if you masturbate or not, and so here you're great, you're committing a grave sin, in order to. Uh, produce some good, as you were saying. You know, right. We may not do evil; the good may come of it. Right. Well said. Um. So, all right. So once again, it goes back to the fact that there's all these sort of, you know, violating commandments, going off the natural law, you know, for this good. And but let's let's take all right. So it kind of ties into, and I think before we go into the. The next topic, which was like, you know, which ties in because these embryos are now being used for research. And I, I want to address that. Okay. So, but before we go there, I think on a, uh, a sort of, like, let's say a, a, a couple's out there and they're struggling with fertility. What can, what can you do that's morally acceptable? Now, one of the questions that uh, people ask is, can a woman use fertility treatments and the answer to that is yes, if it aids the procreative act. So you can use fertility drugs and things like this, correct? If it supports the natural, natural process, act, right? 
and if those drugs are produced in an ethical way. Exactly. Okay. And then obviously there's adoption, you know, adopting children, which is a beautiful thing, gives children right. the opportunity to to have parents that would not have opportunities without that. And uh, and I think the thing also the church really um, recognizes and is not does not lack compassion for the fact that infertility is a huge cross, mm-hmm. especially for a mother. And we even say that in the catechism of the Catholic Church, that it is a cross, uh, but it can bear much fruit, you know. And um, I think, too, is that, you know, we're trying to help you. And there, there is uh, there's something there's that to maybe look at. There's the Paul the Sinks Institute, and they have this thing called NAPRO technology, where they're trying to, with doctors and scientists, to find ways of curing the infertility of a woman naturally and through some surgical procedures that allow the woman and the man to have a baby, you know, from the marital act. And I think that's uh, something to look at. It's called NAPRO technology. Right. And and the the infertility could be on either side, the male or the female. Exactly. So, um, okay. So transitioning now into this second thing is now, why do we bring up IVA? Because right now we have in laboratories, uh, a lot of life that's in a, basically in a freezer. Okay. Now, uh, I'm not sure what the numbers are, but it could be in a laboratory like hundreds of thousands of lives that are being frozen. Okay, and the the um, the Vatican was trying to figure out well, how do what do we do now? Is that we have this the the deed's been done, and I think this ties in also with the vaccine thing. Like the abortion's already been completed, so can we use the material like the fetus mm-hmm. for something good? All right, so this is this is a this is sort of like a, I mean it's 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 a deep theological question. So the I think that's the what we're talking about here with the vaccines is, all right, let's say whether it's an abortion or the or the embryos already been made artificially in a in a in a test tube, can we now if they're not going to come to full life or they've already been uh, um, full maturity? Yeah, exactly. Can we use it for some good? Is the question? Yeah, right? we got to start right where the church starts, as far as where life begins, which is at conception. Conception, correct. So, um, so we're not talking about material, right? The question is, can we do this to a person? Exactly. Can we hand over human persons at that stage of development uh, to be killed, torn, right. torn apart for research purposes? Exactly, and that's what embryonic stem cell research and one of the five, five non-negotiables too. Uh, and you, you talk about like things to think about when you're voting too. Is if a politician, they always say, um, if if there you have to, there's a distinction. Is testing uh, what's called stem cell research versus embryonic stem cell research. There's a huge difference. Stem cell is completely. Uh, there's nine ways of doing that. Completely moral, but the one we're against is embryonic stem cell research, which is trying to get policies whereby we can crack into these freezers take the living embryos that are alive in a freezer, kill them for, for scientific research. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the question that, so father, let's, 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 uh, father Jack, let's, let's go with you on this. So what's the moral principle that says we can't do that in Catholic theology? I mean, it starts with the dignity of human life, right? right? Like, and, and that's the problem is that you, and you can't, uh, we've already kind of mentioned that you can't do evil so that good can come of it. Right. right, and let's stop there. Okay, that's it. That, repeat that slowly. That so principle: you can't do evil so that good may come of it. Right. Okay. Excellent. 
So as, I, as a living human being, I can't donate my heart to somebody because they're dying of heart disease. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd want your heart, Father Flo. You're donating it. <laughs> it's all shriveled up. <laughs> Black and just dark. <laughs> no, it's probably enlarged in like St. Philip yeah. Neary. You yeah. know, it's what, like, what, you know, they're going to open up your chest. Like the thing's huge. What a great warm feeling I have. I'm going to give my heart away to somebody, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So let's get serious again. All right. Um, so, all right. But then there's also, but all right. But then, all right. So we got that, we got that straight. We definitely can't use the embryos because that's killing a human life for research. And that would be boom, fifth commandment, you're 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 killing an innocent life. Now, I mean, what happens to these 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 embryos? We don't know what to do. I mean, basically they're gonna have to stay in a freezer, uh, basically to the end of time right now. That's the only solution we have at this point. Uh, because there's just no ethical way of dealing with this human life, right? Without risking their death, so it's it's just an it's or let's just put that aside, mm-hmm. put that aside, because that's that's sort of that you end up in a vortex there. Well, but there's there is a, a some an interesting point that Father Tab Holchek makes, and he says is the larger question right now is not what do we do with those human persons in the embryonic stage who are frozen, right? But how do we stop manufacturing all of these, right? You know, and so he points out that in Germany and in Italy, uh, they actually regulate this this industry, and they're only allowed to fertilize three eggs, and they have to be implanted. So in Italy and Germany, there are virtually no no persons frozen right. in you know in these IVF labs because right. they've regulated the industry. Now that's finding you know it's a lesser evil we're, we're, we're directing something to a lesser evil in that case right and so that's a great point because here in this uh, we get these notes from the national catholic bioethics center which we mentioned last podcast which is fantastic and it says the dilemma of the use of frozen embryos and it says what should be done with these embryos and the answer is there's no de- definitive answer to this question because there is no way to resolve the injustice that has already been done when the embryos were artificially engendered and frozen certainly what can and should be done is to urge authorities that means politicians to stop promoting the funding and production and use of human embryos for any purpose and i think that's one thing as catholics we could do is to stop you know at least legally the production of embryos or 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 the legislation that permits them to be used for scientific research Mm -hmm. so basically i mean stopping ivf too I mean, the, you know, the, I mean, it's, it's not indirectly. I mean, it's to stop it because most of these embryos are coming from IVF clinics. Oh, yeah. I mean, most of them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where they're being massively produced, and that's the problem. In order to stop embryonic stem cell research, we have to stop IVF, mm-hmm. period. You know, exclamation point. Um, okay, so then, all right, well, let's take this other thing. Now, so they say, all right, in, in, in the case of an aborted fetus, the, the baby's already, is already, is already dead. So the question, the moral question is, the baby's already dead. So I guess the question that would loom in people's mind is, why can't we use that body for scientific research or to form a, a vaccine to cure thousands of people? What's the answer? Well, it goes back to human dignity. Right. Um, it's one thing 
to uh, take, you know, in, in the transplant of a liver, for example, if somebody's donated their liver on any in the event of their death, they donate their liver or something. Um, that's something that's lauded by the church as um, generous. You know, right. um, it's another thing uh, to uh, directly kill a human person right. and then use their remains, uh, much as the Nazis did. Uh, when they were killing the Jews, you know, they were taking their hair and et cetera, you know, taking the gold out of their teeth. Um, you know, it's just, it's not just macabre. It's it's an offense against human dignity. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So, Bill. No, you're, and there is, there is, I mean, just to reiterate, there is a, a <clears throat> distinction between, um, there are there are fetuses where 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 cells are taken from uh, from uh, from miscarriages right from um, you know from any kind of uh, other cause of death before you know natural birth um, and we're not talking about I mean like you drew the distinction which is an important one with between IVF and fertility drugs there's there's also a distinction here we're not talking about cord blood donations or things like that uh, stem cells taken from cord blood are perfectly perfectly permissible. you know permissible uh, you know many people do it now from uh, my I did when my twins were born we uh, had cord blood um, t- uh, withdrawn to try to use when my mother was going undergoing leukemia treatments at the time right um, so you know we're not talking about things like that we're sure you're in your case with father Flume is talking about specifically aborted fetuses right okay so I think too we got We also have to have some principles here, and I think too is what we're asked, what we're talking about too. When this this stage with the, um, with the aborted fetuses and, and coming up with a vaccine is, the the distinction between um, formal and informal cooperation with evil. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So Father Jack, can we kind of and I, I, let's let's kind of like open oh, go deeper. <laughs> That's the purpose of this. What's the difference between formal cooperation with evil versus informal cooperation with evil? Yeah, so so the basic difference is formal cooperation with evil is a is a matter of intention, right? So it's uh, the person who um, the nurse who assists with the doctor who performs the abortion, right? So she sits there and she wants to help this cause, right? She is trying to do it. She is now formally, she might not have actually committed it, right? But she was right there by the side. She was running the machines. That is, and has the same intention as the doctor. Then there is this material cooperation with evil. That's the informal. That's, it's not um, of the same means, right? Like you're not intending to do the same evil, but you are still cooperating in some way. Right. Now, that's what I use maybe, can I, can I take a stab at that? Yeah. The second, this is, we're talking about informal material cooperation correct right so what if uh so i work i had a company that um you know had uh some kind of antiseptic that was used in clinics and i delivered that to the abortion clinic Mm -hmm. that would be used for an abortion would that be sort of i mean was that is that participating i mean like so so it definitely it's a it's a participation right it's definitely cooperation because you've done it but it's, it's, it's a matter of levels, right? Because it's not all the same. Like formal cooperation, there is one. You're either intending it or you're not. There's no right. ifs, ands, or buts about it. But when it comes to material cooperation with evil, you can be anywhere from the guy holding, you know, you know, in, injecting the syringe right. to uh, the, um, 
the, the delivery guy, you know, right. who also is cooperating technically. Yeah. Um, but it's much more remote. Right. It's not, it's not the same approximation. And they say that either in an, an intention, material space or in time. Um, and, and that's, that takes a lot of discernment and in this right. discernment might not be actually be the best word, but, uh, parsing out of like, where exactly is our, is our culpability within the moral act? Right. And so if you, so the farther you're away you are from the actual act, mm-hmm. the less you're materially cooperating, the more remote it is for you, yeah. the less culpable you are. Therefore, there is a, a wiggle room yeah. to some degree. So so the example is, is there's this, uh, that when it comes to material cooperation with evil, the, the first distinction is between uh, immediate and immediate. So the immediate material cooperation is the person who is right there with it. Whether so Let's goal, use a bank robber. So the bank robber. All right, so let's talk about... The guy who robs the bank is committing an evil act. Now you're the getaway driver, right? You know that you're the getaway driver. You are formally cooperating with evil. If you aren't intending to rob a bank, but you know what he's doing, and you and you drive the car, you are immediately materially cooperating with evil. Now, the church has very explicitly stated that's basically the same. It's, it's you know, we've gotten a right here. So if I'm in the parking lot drinking my coffee from Dunkin' Donuts, and the guy comes in with a bag of money. He says, I stole this money. Drive. If I drive, I'm cooperating with well, it. Well, that, that's a much more complicated case because okay. you've now you've now introduced duress in okay. which culpability gets dropped <laughs> okay. out. But you say your Bad buddy, idea. yeah, your buddy says, "Hey, drive me to this bank." Okay. And you're like, "Wait, why do you have a hood over your head and a gun in your hand?" Right? Like you know what he's going to do, <laughs> and you still drive him. Like he hasn't threatened your life in any way. Right. Like you are immediately materially cooperating. You are just as you might as well have robbed the bank yourself. Right. But now you're, you're you know, sweet old grandma who's driving the car and your grandson just says, oh, we'll be back in a second. And you're you're completely unaware that that's what that's what happened. You. Yes. You materially cooperated with evil. Your son did go rob the or your grandson did go rob the bank. But it's it's mediate. It's it's a much more distant culpability. Culpability. OK. I, I, and all right, we can we you could totally shut me down if I use the example. <laughs> I want to use it. All right. I want to use this Starbucks coffee. Uh, all right. Now, I mean, if any listeners, you know, are out there and I know I'm probably going to rain on your party right here. Uh, uh, and I, too, I, I actually love the taste of Starbucks coffee, but it's just a bigger sin. I think, <laughs> but, but after I come to know sort of their platform and what they stand for behind the scenes is sometimes it's like, it's kind of creepy when I, if I get in the line for coffee, it's like, wait a minute, like, are my dollars sort of like supporting this. Oh, wait a minute. What about the parishioner who gave you a Starbucks gift card at Christmas? <laughs> well, I get tons of them. I know. And then there's this whole thing, like, do I waste this? Or do you know, can I, I mean, it's already been used, you know, like this, it's, it's a very, so like, can we unpack that? Like, cause I think in some ways, correct me if I'm wrong, would the Starbucks analogy fit into the vaccine to the person who's, you know, in a three, you know, 50, 40 states away just to get a, you know, that's, I mean, that's, or is that, that's not a good. Well, for the listener's sake, I don't think you've told us why. Okay. All right. So what's the issue? So, okay. So the, from what I understand, Starbucks coffee gives tons of money to Planned Parenthood. Um, As do many other, as do many other, as probably Apple does and everything else we use. Okay. So that's another issue is before we start, you know, demonizing Starbucks is like almost most big companies are supporting just really evil institutions. Damn you, Sam Adams. 
Yeah, Sam. Oh, yeah, Sam Adams. I mean, then there's there's the whole like you know LGBT issue where there you know these uh, these organizations that are promoting you know, publicly. Or Starbucks is heavy into that too. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's one of their whole the whole dignity thing, and I mean, like yep. they're it is sort of like the really really promoting the whole LGBTQ, you know, employee indoctrination. Yeah, employee indoctrination into that. So there's it's a, there's there's a huge platform there. So, um, so that's that's I mean that's and that's that's very they're very open about it. Okay, so your question is uh, buying coffee at Starbucks. With this knowing that right, so if I roll in there tomorrow to get a Star Wars coffee, do I need to go to confession? As long as you're taking those cards you got at Christmas, you just want to reduce their profitability by by buying the coffee and pouring it down the drain. Oh wait, were you wearing your clerics? <laughs> okay, which is all right. That's even worse. Then you're you're reducing their profitability because otherwise you're just going to keep the money, right? So right. You, you buy all the coffee you can, and then you take it outside and you dump it in the curb. Just as a moral act, it doesn't matter if you drink it or dump it down the curb. Yeah, because you already bought it. As, a, as an act of taste, you should dump it down the drain. You should go to any <laughs> other coffee shop. But All right, let's go back to vaccines. Yeah. All right, let's go back. All right, let's go well, back. No, Welcome let's to just, Starbucks let's, chat. Let's try, and, let's try and finish that, just that question real quick. Okay. Is, that, is that, do I, I mean, I, it's not, it would be a remote, mediated, material cooperation with evil. Right. You can make it worse. I would say... If you're gonna drink Starbucks coffee, it better be really rare, right? Because you're you you want anybody else to serve you coffee than than them, um, and it's it's I think it's it is it's it's a very low it cannot raise it cannot be raised to the level of mortal sin because I don't think it could ever be grave unless you give a lot of money unless you drink, you're addicted to coffee. Right, basically, because it just never will get that much. Because like, well, you see how many K cups we go through. Uh, yeah, it's a reason we don't have <laughs> Starbucks K cups. <laughs> it's like, why do you yeah. hate the environment, Father? Why? You, <laughs> well, I me, recycle them. Let me make one further point on on the uh, vaccine. So basically, what we've been talking about is two degrees of evil, two levels of evil. But there's there's a corresponding good that I think we need to pursue, and that right. is this: there's a positive value to the witness that we give. When we say, hey, this is objectionable to us, provide cell lines that are not from aborted children. Right. So that's why we're actually having uh, some of these tech companies, biotech companies, switch to other cell lines is they recognize there's opposition to this. And so there's a positive value that I don't need to really, it's, it's a good exercise to figure out, am I cooperating materially or remotely or whatever, you know, but- why not just say I'm not going to use I'm not I'm not going to use the vaccine because I object to the killing of human persons and I want you to provide something a vaccine that does is not tainted by this which is which is so possible so as we know multiple companies right now are are you know there's vaccines in production it, so you're saying it's incumbent upon the average catholic which I assume is what we're talking about here to do the research on each vaccine that they would. Well, we have people doing that for us, but yes, we should be informed and we should choose the highest good. Well, hold on. Not can just I, avoid the can evil. I, can I stop you there? Or Bill, well, let's take that train of thought. All right, let's, let's take it to another controversial issue like voting. Like, I think the problem with many people when they go to the voting booth, they never really look at what's behind the scenes. Like, what are the issues that they're actually voting for? Okay, 
and I think is in terms of like, when we're looking at this is like, are we just blindly just take whatever is being produced without doing our due diligence? It's really, it's kind of indirectly or even directly if we're wholeheartedly just saying, okay, it's fine to do it. We're, we're pushing the agenda. And I think that's the problem is very few people step back. Like I need, and it, I think after father Jack's talk, I'm never going to drink Starbucks again, but, <laughs> but you know, and it's, I'm, I'm convicted. Um, See you that, Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got, you know, Dunkin' Donuts and we've had this talk before, you know, what's wrong uh, with Wawa? Wawa. It's well, right. Wawa's not it's, that bad. It's not bad, but it's, it's better. Can, for they don't soul. have a, they don't have a drive in. I'm trying to get this quick, you know. <laughs> this is the problem. I don't have time to get in there. I got things to do. Okay, all right. So, so, um, all right. Let's go back. Let's go back to this. So, I think you're, what Father Flume is saying is like, well, because, but we also have to go to the principle. Is I think the church does. If let's step back, it does say that if it if so, if the pandemic broke out and if it was the only way. Of, all right. Here's the fundamental question. All right, we have to answer this. All, everything off the table. Let's say, let's say that you know we run out of vaccine, and the only vaccines you could get was for was from those companies that are producing from aborted fetuses. Can we could have someone use it without committing a sin? It's ethically objectionable, but not sinful. Okay, and that's the distinction. Right. It's ethically but, objectionable, but, but if not, you have an option, this is right. why it's important to get educated. Right. If you have a, a vaccine that's not derived from uh, you got to use that a child that's been right. aborted, then yeah, and, and and I think it, not to dumb this down too much, but it's almost like for, let's take the coffee thing. Mm -hmm. Is if if I'm really trying to live and promote the kingdom of God, which is gospel values, because we're always saying well, what's the gospel in this? I I should have it in myself to go to Wawa and get my coffee, ditch my pre, you know my gift card to give it to some. I mean. Well, then do I give it to someone else? <laughs> it's another quandary. You can okay. use the gift card. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> the gift card is, is allowed. It is, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> let's do another podcast. But, but the thing is, if there's an alternative, use the alternative. And, right. And not only that, but, but like within the instructions, the Vatican instructions that have said it's okay to use these vaccines that right. have been derived from ab aborted fetuses, which, and then they are in part, they, they're reflecting on this some 40 years later. You know, they're not doing it. Right, like they're not make that distinction, about. Father Jack. So, okay. so they are specifically referring to, uh, vac like the the vaccines that you would inoculate with for a child, right? Like this is the ones they're talking about. They're not talking about the the flu virus. They're not talking about coronavirus. They're not talking about um, modern vaccines. They're talking about the ones that have been in use for for decades that have actually been proven extremely effect effective, and and are very helpful for the public good that is health and that we have a duty actually to, to receive. Now, in their instructions that say, in these grave, for this grave reason, which is the public health, you can use these particular vaccines. And they actually lay out which ones are coming through, right, in terms of uh, rubella and hepatitis A, um, that those particular ones are acceptable. The interesting thing about it is that they also, within the same instructions, say the person who receives it has a duty to write. Not, and they—I don't even think they mention the company, although that would I think be also helpful. They talk about the government and the healthcare systems, right? Um, and within that, this is what I found most amazing: is that one of the things that they say is that, you know, in the United States, the only one that's acceptable for I think I think it was rubella, 
uh, but the MMR vaccine, um, is it's derived from this this fetus, but or the material that extracts from it. But in other countries, there are morally acceptable vaccines. So this isn't even just you know Merck, right, the the pharmaceutical company, but this is also a problem with you know, I don't know if it would be HHS or FDA or whatever it is, but it's somebody there should be able to step in and say, figure this out because this thing works for us. Right. Let me ease my conscience. Right. You know, and, and let vaccine rates go back up. Well, the bottom line is this is like, is that the science is out there for them to do this without abortifacy for sure. There's no doubt about that. Right. And I even think for embryonic stem cell research, they say that, there's nine forms of stem cells that are very high, actually much more effective for coming up with cures to things than from embryos. And, and not not to get too scientific because I'm not too scientific, but just just to so everyone knows what kind of what, why the desire is for for um, for fetal cells versus you know adult cells is it's all about the number of splittings. Uh, you know the the fewer number of splittings that the cells have gone through, the more useful they are and easier to work with. That's why the desire is to, you know, to use fetal cells. Right. Right. Cause it's quicker. You can use it quicker. Well, and they're, they're more, more, they're pure for lack of a better term cells. They haven't, you know, gone through extensive exactly. divisions. Right. But can so I, can I draw Jack, father Jack's last point a little yeah, bit? Yeah, please. Cause I'm not thir- I'm not sure if you came, came through totally clear. So in the document where they're saying that it's o- okay to use uh, those vaccines, although they were derived from, uh, aborted fetuses. Um, it's okay because it's not formal cooperation mm-hmm. and because of the great public good, mm-hmm. etc. And then you're making an excellent point that after that it says that we have an obligation mm-hmm. as Catholics to then approach government, approach industry, and say, look, this is objectionable to us. We want something else. In other words, right. we can't just take these vaccines. Oh, it's okay to use them. Forget about it. Mm-hmm. No, we should be advocating for the dignity of human life by going to the, the you know the mercs of the world and going to the FDA and saying this is not right. Yeah, and going to the Starbucks, <laughs> tell them that. Like, can I just get your coffee without worrying about this agenda? <laughs> I'm going to do that. It's going to be my mission. Agenda be, free coffee. I'm going to be salt of the earth for Starbucks. <laughs> and what do you think? On that, one. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's go back. So, no, so Father Flume, I think we got, let's close with this because we, we've been on it for about an hour is, well, 45 minutes, is that, um, okay, so technically speaking, we, the church does make that, because it's tying these things together, the, by the time it gets to, to the p- person who's being given the vaccine, by the time it's gone from all the way to the abortion, to the vaccine itself, to the taken, it's, 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 it's quite remote cooperation with evil right. so there wouldn't be it would it would be ethically what's objectionable but not you wouldn't be morally sinful okay and i think it's just like if i if i decided to have coffee more at starbucks i wouldn't be committing a sin but it's ethically objectionable mm-hmm. right so the point is i think we're trying to make yours because we're always i think that's the other thing too is we i, I think we have to also st- steer away from this idea that if it as long as it's not a sin i don't do it too because maybe that's another thing way of approaching this is that, well, okay, it's not a sin, therefore I can do it. The question is, is it the virtuous thing to do? Right. And that's what we see in, in our culture commonly with boycotts is there's an, uh, there, there's an objective that 
a certain population is trying to meet. And so they boycott a company because of something. Right. Well, this is a, a moral reason to boycott. I'm not going to go to Starbucks uh, because I don't want to support what they are teaching. Uh, the coffees, whatever, whether you like it or not, I don't care. Uh, it is good but, for the record. Okay. But but what, what they're promoting and indeed indoctrinating their employees right. in, uh, right. I disagree with. So I'm not going to go there. Gotcha. I like that. All right, Father Jack, you want to close it up? Just maybe some, I mean, this is, this is, I'm, and folks, I'm sorry, this is, we've got so many different things going on here. You want to close it up with maybe some, uh, some ending thoughts, like summarizing the whole teaching to some degree. Yeah. I mean, I mean, basically there's, it's, this is just trying to explain how a moral act could possibly work. And it starts with what is your intention, right? It's, it's part of the, when you, whenever you do something, it's what are you intending to do, right? Like you ever, you know, little kid who breaks the lamp doesn't most of the time unless he's like you know psychotic right like he doesn't mean to knock it over right he just did it because he was careless and it was still a bad thing to do he was still careless it was still wrong but he didn't intend it so there's something in an so you don't like you're a little bit gentler with him unless it was like grandma's special lamp you know like or her urn that for some reason is still sitting on your mantelpiece it shouldn't be there obviously but it was you know and so it's like you want to be careful like not to make a mistake into something greater, right? So that's the first step is what was your intention within it? But we still have duties to strive after the good thing, even beyond what are we intending, right? So that even our accidents don't create further evil, right? And this should, this should be, if we reflect on this well, right? If we reflect on what does it mean to cooperate with evil or do good, it shouldn't be a scrupulous inducing thing. It shouldn't cause us to think that everything that we do is a sin. Like, oh, can I use the public road because the government is okay with abortion? Like, no, that's, you know, now you're being, you know, uh, way too harsh on yourself and on, on everybody. But you're, it should be a freeing thing because you can say, okay, wait, what am I looking at? Did I, am I intending it? Am I helping out knowing what's going to happen, right? That, right. that immediate material cooperation, or am I removed from it and, how closely am I, right? Because then it becomes the, the question of virtue. Like, all right, if, if Starbucks is next to even, let's say, well, maybe McDonald's isn't a better example, but is next to like a caribou coffee, right? And you got a choice, like which one do you go to? You go to the caribou or you go to the local guy, right? right. Um, and so that you have that freedom to uh, do the better option so that even your mistakes uh, produce good and not evil. Right. Father Plume, any closing comments? Uh, no, we're good. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this. I mean, we're gonna I'll probably revisit re- revisit this in some say. And if there's any questions, you can also email myself, Father Jack, or Father Flume on our website. There's the emails. You know, if you have like some questions that we could uh, talk about in in uh, person, because I know we brought up a lot of stuff in this particular podcast. So, uh, Senior Priest Father Flume, can you give us a blessing? Indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Father in heaven, we recognize that you are the author of all human life. Grant uh, to the population of our country, all of our citizens, that they may have an increase in respect for the dignity of all human life. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. amen.